0: Good morning, my name is Stacy. I'll be reading from the book of Hosea. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry an adulterous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo-ramaha, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. After she had weaned lo Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. They will be called children of the living God.
1: Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Stacy, for reading. Welcome to uh, Relentless. There is a song that uh, plays at the gym that I go to. It seems quite often. They play it all the time and really catchy tune. Um, I have this I think it's a disorder. Uh, the, the good thing about living today is there's all these disorders that you can just kind of pick from. And I, I, I re- I, this is true. I actually read about this one time that there are certain people, and I think I'm one of those people, that I can't make out lyrics. So I hear a song. What? It, I have no idea. I don't know what the song is singing about, but I notice it's really catchy and everybody seems you know they're like lifting and all of a sudden they're like this and you know so i thought we could ed can we play the song i want to everybody knows this song Do you recognize it does anybody who does anybody know who's this song is uh who's singing is ed, you can yell it out it's okay you can even dance if you want to does anybody know the song can't hear anybody nobody's up on it rihanna i don't think it's rihanna i don't think it's rihanna I don't think it's Rihanna. Who is it? Who is it? Is it Nicki Minaj? Does anybody, rec- does anybody recognize Nicki Minaj? A couple of you recognize? You have any idea what she's singing about? That's it? I was just getting into it. You know, so they play that song and blast it all the time. So it just got me thinking what in the world? What are the words to this song? So I, I, I took a moment and looked it up this past week. Can I give you the words? Can I give you the words? Can I give you So, so some of you are laughing because you know the words. I'm not going to give you all the words. <laughs> I'm just going to give you some of the words, okay? Can I give you some of the words? Yes I do the cooking. Yes I do the cleaning. Yes you be the boss. Yes I be respecting. I guess maybe some guys might enjoy that. I don't None, none of the guys in this room. Um, yes I be your woman. Yes I be your baby. Yes I be whatever you tell me when you're ready. It's really quiet in here. (laughs) And then, and here's the words I'm not going to tell you, she gets into some other stuff, like some physical romantic stuff, right? You know? Uh, And I was thinking to myself, this is a very popular song. It was six weeks in the top ten in the United States of America. And it made me think, because the the title of the message is, Would You Still Love Me If? So it just made me think for a second. Well, what if, What if a couple years into the relationship, you know, the cooking level started going down? Like there wasn't as much cooking going on, right? A couple years into the situation, a couple years, what if that started to decrease? What if, I don't know, what if a couple months into the situation, the relationship, maybe, maybe the cleaning started going down a little bit? A couple months, a couple weeks into the relationship, maybe the respecting thing started like decreasing. Do, do, would, would he still love her if? Would he still be down with her if all of that started? So, so the question is how far would you go for love? Right, how far would you pursue it? When is that stop point? It's like, oh, that's far enough. I'm not going any farther. We have this incredible story this morning. God gives us this picture of of love. He gives us this picture of his love for us through this prophet, through this pastor by the name of Hosea and his relationship with his wife. So in the beginning she's not his wife, then she becomes his wife and some stuff goes on. And so God helps us to understand exactly what his love looks like through this relationship. And so this is what we're going to look at this morning. Would you still love me? if. The thing is, is that we have different learning styles and God knows this about us because God is the one who created us. So he helps us. We we need to hear it, but it's not just hear it, to see it and also experience it. Hear, see, and experience. God often does this in the scriptures. And God does this in a huge way in Hosea. He allows us to hear it see it, experience it through Hosea's life. And what Hosea does is he really brings to life a picture of God's love for us. Hosea's gift to us that we'll study for the next two weeks is a picture of clarity. Clarity on what exactly is the love of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this gift that we have in Hosea. Thank you that, God, we can get some clarity around our relationship with you, your feelings towards us, your love that you have for us. Help us to understand what's going on here in the book of Hosea and bring it to life for us. So it's not just words that sit on a page, but it actually pops off the page and makes a difference. In Christ's name. Amen. What we're really after in this two week series is a personal and powerful picture of the love of God. A personal and powerful picture of the love. Not just something we know, oh yeah, I know about God's love. No, but something that's far greater than that, because that is what Hosea is trying to give us. So I'm just going to give just the briefest of backgrounds into what's happening in Hosea's day. So the nation of Israel was divided into there was a north and there was a south. And Hosea is in the north, and the north is very, very prosperous at this time. They're extremely prosperous. And we're told that they were actually building, lots of people were building vacation homes. And the vacation homes were filled with ivory, which means that they become very, very um, successful. But they were completely dissatisfied with what was going on in their lives, even though they had tremendous prosperity, and they just couldn't seem, we're told in the book of Hosea, to ever have enough of their fill. And so there's an emptiness there. The other thing that's happening is, is the people extremely religious, but they were saying God, Yahweh, Yahweh is God's name in the Bible, that Yahweh is the exact same God as Baal. And that these two gods are the same, even though their theologies were radically different. Even though you had Yahweh who said, "You know what you need to protect the most vulnerable in your society, and there needs to be love and there needs to be justice and thing." and you had Baal over here who says, "You know what you need to exploit the most vulnerable in your society, even though the theologies and beliefs they were said no no it 's really it 's all, it's all the same God because they were trying to create a God that they enjoyed, a God that they of their own creation of their own liking rather than God who had delivered them out of Egypt and it brought them to this place. And there's this real ominous verse in the book of Hosea. It's in Hosea 8, 7. It says this, they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. I read that for years. I have no idea what that means. I'm thinking, but man, that sounds bad. They sow the wind what it's basically saying to us is, is the path that they're following, right? You're sowing seeds, you're sowing apple seeds, and you're going to get an apple tree. You're not going to get an orange tree. You're going to get an apple tree. And the seeds that they're sowing, is they're going to reap a disaster upon themselves, which is actually eventually what happens. And so God says, you know what? You need something. Here is in God's opinion, what they needed. What do they need more than anything else at this moment as they've gone away from God, as they've chosen to sow the wind, and they're about ready to reap a whirlwind? In God's opinion, what they needed more than anything else is they need a very, very clear picture of the love of God. Now, that wouldn't be the thing I would have thought they needed, but it's the thing that God thought they needed more than anything else, a clear picture of God's love. And so we get that in Hosea, and we're going to take the next two weeks and talk about this picture of God's love. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Knowledge. We make life-altering decisions based on information. You take the story of Romeo and Juliet. So what happens in that story? You get to the end. Romeo thinks that Juliet is dead, right? Do you remember the story? Think she's dead. She's laying there. She's dead. The piece of information that he needed is, no, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And so what does he do? He kills himself, He drinks the poison, he kills himself. And after he does that, she wakes up. Oh my gosh, it's a terrible tragedy. And she ends up with a dagger, his own dagger, killing herself. If she just would have had, he would have had that piece of information. Everything would have turned out differently. God is saying that we need a piece of information, a picture of God's love. Not what we think God's love is like. Here's what God's love is really like. I'm going to describe it to you. It's going to be incredibly challenging it'll probably be very frustrating for us because we tend as human beings to lean one side or the other of God's love, which I'll describe more in just a moment. And when we hear the opposite side in which we lean, it becomes a very difficult thing for us to understand, to perceive, and to accept because we as human beings tend to go one way or the other in God's love and God comes together in this way. So, there we go. There's the background. Now let's talk about Hosea. Let's talk about young Hosea and the guy that he is. He's a young preacher, right? He's, uh, maybe he's just getting ready to graduate Bible college or seminary. Now why, why would somebody go to Bible college or seminary? What's the, what's, what's the reason to go there? You go there because you go for M&Ms, right? For M&Ms. Everybody knows this. What are those M&Ms? Anybody know? Ministry and marriage. You're in Bible college for two reasons. You're, you're there for ministry and marriage. You're there, right, to, to, get, to get through the college and then to, to find a good church or a good ministry to be a part of. A, that's the one, M. And the other is to find a good spouse. And so there he is getting ready to graduate. He doesn't have a wife. you got to have a wife. He doesn't have a wife. you got to have a wife. And God says, you know what? i got the perfect wife picked out for you. i got the perfect wife for you. God says, her name is Gomer you know what the name Gomer means? Gomer means Yahweh completes. She is going to complete you, Hosea. That's who Gomer is. She's going to complete you. That's her name, Gomer. She's going to complete you. She's standing right over there on that street corner of all things. Can you believe? She's on that street corner. And she's on that street corner, Hosea, because she's a prostitute. She's perfect. You know what Time Magazine said recently? You know why young people today aren't getting married? They can't find the perfect person. And so God says, Hosea... I got you covered. I got the perfect person in mind for you. They're from two opposite, completely opposite ends of the social spectrum. His profession is highly respected. Her profession is not. It's a shame for him to even be associated with her. And God says, you know what? I want you to marry her. I want you to marry this woman who is currently now a prostitute. Prostitution, a lot of prostitution going on all over the land of Israel at this time because Baal worship encouraged lots of prostitution. Sex sells. They believed in that. They believed having sex actually with these ritual prostitutes would bring prosperity. You might say, oh man, that sounds so archaic and ancient. No, it's not. We sell sex now all the time, don't we? Sex sells. I think it's the biggest industry on the internet, isn't it? Have we changed at all? So this is Baal worship. Sex sells. We still believe the same thing today. Sex sells. We still follow it. We market for sex. Okay, So this is what you, there's a lot of prostitution going on. And God says, Hosea, and I'm sure this blue Hosea is mine. I want you to marry her. I want you to approach her on the street corner and say, I want to marry you. And so this is what Hosea does. Now he's got his young bride, right? He's got his young bride. And he goes to that first church interview and now I want you all to imagine, can you for a second, you are on the board, committee, team, whatever, right? You are in charge of interviewing Hosea. And there he sits. Now, there's one thing you need to know God had given Hosea a little window into the future in verse number two. I don't know if you caught it when Stacy read it. Gave it a little window. He says, She's going to be unfaithful. In other words, she really hasn't left. She really hasn't left the prostitution lifestyle behind. You all remember that old song by the police? Roxanne! You remember that, right? Well, she hadn't taken the dress off. Now that we have the table set for you, you're hiring Hosea. He comes and sits down and uh, you say, Hey, Hosea, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and your your bride outside? The question to you is, is, do you hire God's man? Do you hire? You're on the team. You're making the decision. Are you hiring Hosea, the man of God? And I'm wondering if there might be a difference along gender lines here. Because I wonder if you're a woman and you're looking at her in the dress outside the door of the office. I'm wondering if you're voting. Oh, yeah, sign her up. I'm all good with that. This is the story of Hosea. Can you imagine what's going on in his mind? I'm thinking that he probably is thinking to himself, with all of this, God, what are you doing? How are you doing this to me? And the public shame and humiliation that he felt with all the head shaking at him, said, can you believe that guy? He had so much promise. What is he doing? I bet, I bet, I'm just betting that Hosea was probably thinking to himself, you know what, I know this is the lifestyle she lived, but I'm going to give her a respectable life. I'm going to take her off the street. I'm going to love her. I'm going to provide for her. I'm going to give her a very respectable life. And I know that God said she's going to be unfaithful. She's going to be unfaithful, but I bet she's going to change because once she gets to know me and see that I'm going to love her so much, man, she's just going to turn her life around. I'm going to win her over because she's going to be so appreciative, isn't she? She's not going to have to stand on the street corner anymore. She's not going to have to be devalued and dehumanized like that anymore. I'm going to love her. That's Of course she's going to turn see But let's see exactly what happens in this story. We're told in verse number 3, the scripture we read that they had a child together that she conceived and bore him a son there's the language the language is really important she bore him a son they called him Jezreel okay cool they're having a child together together it's wonderful but then we're told in verse number 6 the second time the language changes it says she conceived she conceived a child mama's baby daddy's maybe There's no mention. And so people are wondering, because the rumors are flying about Gomer and the lifestyle that she lives. The rumors are flying. What's up with this? I mean, the pastor's wife, we're feeling strange about some of the things she does. A lot of talking going on. We wonder. And so Hosea knows that. And now it's time to name the child. And just so everybody in the congregation knows exactly what's going on, God says... Let's come right out with this. And so what does he say? He says, here's what I want you to name the child. I want you to name the child Lo-Ruhamah. You know what that name means? Not loved. So now there's no mistaking exactly what's going on here. We know this is not Hosea's child. She has had an affair this is somebody else's child. He loved her. He took her off the street. He was trying to win her over. Treat her with respect. Oh my gosh, doesn't she know what a good thing she has? And now she's gone ahead of an fair. And she's praying. God says, name her not loved, not loved. Would you? If you're Hosea, would you love her? What would you do? How would you respond to this whole situation? If you're in this married relationship makes sense to me god says don't love her she doesn't deserve your love makes sense verse number nine she gets pregnant again also through an affair she has another affair she gets pregnant god says this time i want you to call the child lo ami which means not mine just in case everybody was wondering, is this Hosea's child? Just in case anybody in the church was like, I wonder, I mean, it kind of looks a little bit like Hosea. I see a few, maybe. And Hosea introduces the child to the congregation. Just in case anybody's wondering, this child is not mine. <laughs> this must have been very crushing for Hosea. Okay, Publicly, Think think about him. One thing I know about guys is they don't like to be publicly shamed or humiliated. He's being publicly, very public way, being shamed and humiliated. So we get to chapter 2. And here's the thing. Chapter 2 is the cliff notes or the spark notes of all the entire book of Hosea. So if... You're too busy and you don't have the 15 minutes to read the few short chapters of Hosea and you're like, I only have five minutes to give to this. Three minutes to give to this. Read chapter two. You get the entire book in one chapter. It's a mini. It's the cliff note version. Now, I want to read you some of the verses from Hosea chapter two because they make total sense. Tell me if they don't make sense. Listen to this. It says, God says, rebuke your mother. Rebuke her. I'm like, yes. She deserves what she's getting. Rebuke her. She's crossed the line. She broke the law. She broke the commands. According to the scriptures, she should should be stoned. She should die. Public humiliation, rebuke her. She is not my wife, and I'm not your husband. Now, notice these I wills, bam, 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 four of them. I'll make her like a desert, yes. You ever been angry like that at somebody? Somebody's done you wrong? Make her like a desert. Uh, expose her lewdness. Anybody do stuff in this world that something rises up in us? And say, oh, they deserve what they're getting. We should expose. expose her lewdness. I will ruin her vines. I will punish her. It goes on. I'll stop there. Throw her out. She is getting what she deserves. I call this radical justified condemnation. The laws of God are serious, and we would be kidding ourselves to say you know, God just didn't like write all these things down—the Bible, the Ten Commandments stuff—for us to. Well, that was interesting. I shouldn't have an affair. Well, that was that was an interesting opinion, God. I shouldn't have an affair. I shouldn't lie. I shouldn't cheat. I shouldn't steal. I should put you first. That is an interesting thought. Thank you for sharing, God. Right. God says, cast her out. She is getting what she deserves. You know, I was thinking, oh my gosh, everything that Hosea's going through here, I was thinking about this. My wife and I, we have major arguments over parking spaces. I I don't know if anybody else has this, but here's the thing. You know, if there's a parking space, and it is close to the door, but there's like two cars, and you'd have to like wedge your car in to get into that space, why not choose the space that's 10 spaces away, nice and free, nobody can hit you or anything? I mean, just, just wide open. It's, what is it? What is it, another five seconds on the walk? Who in the world, I'm not going to tell you who chooses to park where, but <laughs> who, who, who is not going to park a little bit farther away and have the joy of the exercise and the walking and now no nicks on the door? Who would do that? I'm thinking, we argue, I mean, we're ready to get a divorce over parking spaces. (laughs) We have heated conversations in parking lots all over the state of Virginia. (laughs) And here we've got Gomer, right? Takes her out of prostitution, loves her, respects her, lifts her up. And she walks away and has an affair twice. And to make it worse, he's got to tell everybody, see this child? Just so you know, not mine. (laughs) Dagger, dagger, dagger. How can he do this? How can he do this? Now, look how it continues, chapter 2, the cliff note version. And see if this doesn't blow your mind. Because all the first part is 100% true. But the second part is also simultaneously 100% true. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. It's a romantic term in Hebrew. Therefore, I'm going to allure her. After everything? Are you serious? She gets what she deserves. I mean, the town council is ready to drag her out and stone her publicly in front of all the town. You all remember the woman, maybe you do, maybe you don't. The woman caught, there's a famous story. The woman caught in adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus Christ, ready to be stoned. Similar situation here. Therefore, now, I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness. And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to speak harshly to her, angrily to her. I'm going to scream at her. Nope. You're going to do what? You ever been really mad at somebody? Now, I want you to think about this for a second. I'm going to speak tenderly to her. There, I will give her back her vineyards, and I'll make the valley of Achor, the word Achor means trouble, I will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. A door of hope. I will betroth you to me forever. Even after all that, are you insane? Forever in love and in compassion, I will betroth you in faithfulness. I will show you my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those who called not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Radical justified condemnation, radical unconditional acceptance. How do these two things work all at the same time? I said earlier, we tend to lean one way or the other. We either lean on one side of truth, and justice and right. As human beings, we tend tend to do this. We tend to either be red or blue. That's why we have Republicans and Democrats. We tend to lean one way or the other. You see this. If I pushed hard on one side or the other, some of you would rise up and talk to me at the door. Do you know what I'm saying? If I switched to the other side, I'd hear from the other half of you. I, as a person, I lean one way or the other. And what I find so challenging to me is that God leans both. For somebody who is to say, you know, I've got God's love all figured out. I'm not really sure that's possible. It's a challenge. We lean one; we either lean towards Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon. I was surprised that Arlington County gives this to their high school seniors to study this sermon. The most famous sermon ever preached in the United States of America, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. The more anger, the better. The more whatever, whatever. God just loves us. Do whatever we want. Radical, unconditional acceptance. We lean, but God is both simultaneously. There's a Hebrew word for this. There's two words for love in Hebrew. Hesed, which is the loyal love of God, and the other one is Ahab. A H A B. It's on the back of your outline. You know what it stands for? The irrational love of God. It's irrational. It's paradoxical. God's love, according to Scripture, is irrational. It's paradoxical. So when someone says, I said just a moment ago, says, Oh, yeah, I got God's love figured out. God's saying, no you don't because it blows our minds and this morning what i want to say here in conclusion is what we need what the scripture talks to us about is this revelation by the spirit of god that whichever way we lean that god would give us understanding of the other and he would bring it all together his justice and his grace simultaneously for those people who say so flippantly oh God just loves me oh God just loves you it's okay it's okay that you it's okay that you transgress the laws it's okay very flippantly it's alright there's mercy there's grace in Jesus Christ Hosea tell that to Hosea tell that to Hosea He's crushed. She's destroyed him. She's put a million daggers through his heart. He is broken. People want to know, hey, reading through the Old Testament, why all these sacrifices? Why all this blood? Why all this brutality? God's saying, because it's brutal. When you transgress my ways, you are destroying me. God is Hosea. You're ripping my heart out killing me. You're crushing me like a spouse who repeatedly has affair after affair. You're crushing me when you walk away and reject me. And I come back to you and I love you and I speak tenderly to you. I love you so much and I radically unconditionally accept you, but I need you to know like Hosea, I do so with a heart that's been destroyed. The truth is God gives us this picture. Hosea represents God, and I represent Gomer. And to know that there is justice and law and truth, and that God radically and unconditionally accepts me even to his own. Pain. It cost him a lot to do it. It's not flippant. It's a love that's irrational. I was thinking about this this past week. Oh my gosh. You know, a lot of times in churches, I've heard this over 25 years. You know, who are the deep ones? Who are the really spiritual? People get, oh man, Pastor, I want to. Give me, I want the depths. I want the meat of God's word, man. I be, take me deep. You got to take me deeper. I'm taking you as deep as you can go right now. Here it is. This is the deep end of the pool. Who wants to dive into Hosea? Can you do that? I don't care how many Bible verses you know. Here's the question. Here's the deepest end of the spiritual pool that you'll ever see in your life. Can you be Hosea? Can you be loving and forgiving? Take me back to the shower land. I don't want any part of that. That's devastating. Now, let me take a timeout and say this. For some of you, you're like, hey John, what are you saying? I'm in a relationship right now, you, you you're saying I should just overlook every single thing? It's not what I'm saying. Don't get me wrong. If you ran a business or a marriage, unless God came down and spoke to you face-to-face and told you this, you can't run a business or a marriage like this. That's why it's irrational. That's why it's God. I don't want to go any farther because I don't want to get off track. I just want you to know, in case you might be sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, how dare you? And if you're in that boat, you can talk to me some other time. What I'm trying to paint a picture of is what Hosea is giving us here. A picture of the love of God that pops off the page. Well, what would she do now? He took her off the street corner. He took Roxanne off the street corner, still wearing the dress. She's still wearing the dress. (laughs) Hadn't taken the dress off. Given her a place of respect and honor. Cared for her, loved for her. She had multiple affairs. He's got children called not loved and not mine. He's gone back. He sought her out. He speak tenderly to her. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's kind. He's patient with her. Everybody, what will she do now? That's next week. <laughs> I want to talk to you uh, about a book, okay, in conclusion. And then we're going to have communion. Um, there's a book by Francine Rivers. It's a powerful book. Here's the thing. This, considered by Sanda, the most powerful love story, the, most tru- the truest picture of God's love for us. And the thing is, is we've got to make it fly off the pages. So I want to challenge you. We have a bunch of copies in the lobby to, to pick up this book. I first heard about this book 10 years ago. And I know the exact time that my wife finished reading the book. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. I woke up and she was sobbing. I said, oh my gosh. I had no idea. What a powerful picture of the love of God. I feel completely changed and transformed by it. I never read it. I never read it because here's the cover. I don't know if you can see that far, but it's a slightly girly. So for 10 years I didn't read, you know, I didn't want to be like walking down the street with my book. You know what I'm saying? Hey, what are you reading, huh? you reading a leadership book? I'm reading... Uh, right Francine Rivers I didn't want to do that but uh, when when the decision was to do the series on Jose I said you know what I'm I'm gonna have to pick up this book and read it here's the thing I don't want you to be fooled by the girly cover all right particularly men I just need to talk to the guys because I don't think the women are gonna be offended by the girly cover don't be fooled by this girly cover this is a story that in my opinion my personal opinion is more towards men than it is towards women Uh, we will be happy once you pick up a book we're just passing the price along during the live. we will personally rip the cover off for you so you can read it i want to challenge the guys i want to challenge the guys to read this book to get past the cover my community group which is all guys we're reading the book Man, as I got through this book, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it rocked me to my knees. The, the, the courage, the courage, the straight-up courage and challenge that is in this book scared me, All right? If you can't be brave, if you feel like you can't do it, then please don't read the book because it will get right up in your face and challenge you to be courageous and brave like never before. So we have copies right out there if you'd like to... If you'd like to pick one up. All right. Um, we're going to have communion this morning. And you know what? We're going to do communion. So the communion team, if you could, could help me, i want to just, just explain to everybody briefly. Maybe you, you've been here before for communion. We're doing communion a completely different way. It's going to be very exciting this morning. Okay? Completely different. We're actually going to serve you right in your seats. So up until today, the school has always asked us to not pass the trays, but... Uh, but they're trusting us that we will pass the trays with care. <laughs> and this is what we're going to do. And so uh, what's going to happen in just a moment is uh, all those who are serving are simply going to come to each section and they're going to pass the trays right down your rows for you. And I'm going to ask you if you'll just hold the piece of bread and hold the cup and we're going to take them all together as one community. So uh, when you guys are ready to serve, please feel free to come on out and to serve. And let me say this. If it's your first time here and you're wondering uh, about communion, communion here at Grace is completely open to everybody. It is entirely up to you whether or not you take it. I do not want you to feel like if you're a person like, well, I'm uncomfortable taking communion. Is everybody going to be looking at me? You're not in that kind of church. I say that again. Oh, if I don't take communion, everybody's going to be like, what are you doing? What's wrong? You're not in that kind of church. You're in the kind of church that whether you want to take it or you don't want to take it, it's entirely up to you, okay? Please, please feel free to start passing whenever you feel like. Let me give you something that I would, would like you to think about as you take communion uh, this morning. I said it earlier that we tend to lean one way or the other when it comes to God's love and when you lean one way or the other you're robbing the knowledge of the love of God from all of its power all of its power there's no power in all justice there's no power in all grace there's no power in all truth and laws there's no power in all mercy all the power in the scriptures is when you bring those two paradoxical irrational things together that everybody is when we are filled with the power of his spirit and here's the one thing I would like to ask you to meditate on this morning as we take communion God would you give me a fresh revelation a deep understanding of your love in a way that I have never felt it experienced it or understood it before Would you just download that to me? So we're going to keep passing. And uh, after everybody has been served, I'll have a prayer. And we will take the bread and the cup together. as the last people are being served I just want to give a little bit of symbolism to the importance of this our relationship with God and the scriptures is based on a on a covenant and this is what communion symbolizes this great covenant Jesus and his disciples in the upper room just before he's crucified for us you know he takes the piece of bread and he breaks it, so this is my body that's broken for you, take and eat, and a cup, which is his blood, represents something that's brutal, extraordinarily painful. I'm broken for you, and I'm I'm gonna be painfully executed on 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 your behalf. Today, in our wedding ceremonies, we see pictures of the importance of that covenant relationship. I mean, some people are confused. about why are you guys eating bread? It symbolizes, you know, it's a little strange. You know, God's body and all this kind of stuff. Weddings. Ever been to a wedding? Most all of them have it. The cake is cut, and then the bride and groom feed each other, and we all jump up and down, and celebrate. So this is an awesome moment. That's communion saying that this couple here have now become one what this represents is God saying I want to become one with you in the process of being come one with you I am Gomer the cup is very painful It's not, nothing flipping about it it's very serious God's truth and his grace all at the same time becoming one with us I want to pray and then I'm going to ask that we all just eat and drink together and think about that Heavenly Father, I thank you for your incredible love. Jesus, what you have done for us, your laws are true. We must honor them and not turn away. And yet we do. And it is no small thing that God, then you sacrifice. Your body is broken. Your blood is shed. You take our place. And then you welcome us in unconditionally. God, this morning, through the power of this moment and this symbolism, God, would we have such a deeper understanding of your radical, irrational, paradoxical love. Holy Spirit, come and let it seep into us as we eat this bread and drink this cup in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us eat drink together. Can we just take just a, just a moment, just in quietness. week i hope you'll take the opportunity to read the book of hosea i hope every single one of us will consider reading the book redeeming love and allowing ourselves to get a brand new powerful picture of god's love for us it will change your life in god's opinion like nothing else will that knowledge will radically transform you. If you'd like prayer, our prayer team is on this wall. If you're new or relatively new, I'd love to meet you over here. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask for every single one of us all this week that your love, your love would have an all new understanding in our hearts and in our minds. And that God, for those of us like Gomer who are in a valley of trouble, may you lead us to a door of hope through your irrational love. Bless every single person here today. Father, give each one of us hope, please. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.